This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, episode 35. You know, you need to have that, that science background, yeah. but if you cannot communicate, if right. you cannot convey what you want the kids to do, um, it's going to be pretty difficult for you to be an effective coach. Yeah. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. I'm Scott Caulfield. With me today, Darnell Clark, who's the Director of Strength and Conditioning at Charlotte Country Day School right here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Coach, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Scott. Uh, been excited about uh, being on the podcast, and uh, I'm a fan of the podcast. You do a great job. Great. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. We're psyched to be here in Charlotte. Uh, somewhat chillier than normal here, or is it, is it always like this in January? Absolutely not. This is, it hasn't <laughs> been this cold. I think I saw on the news since uh, 2008. Okay. This is the last time it's been this okay. cold, so this is not common. Yeah. Luckily, Joe Ken texted me yesterday before I left and said, bring your warmer jacket. Mm-hmm. So I'm prepared. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, the rest of us will be, or else uh, I think this... Uh, the store that we're sitting next to here doing our podcast will be selling out of hoodies and sweatshirts and hats Good while for we're here. Good yeah, for yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your kind of uh, your job at the school. You've been there since 2004. Uh, you know, how'd you get involved in high school strength and conditioning? What's your kind of day look like as a high school strength coach? Well, ironically, um, I found my job on the NSCA website. Ah, very uh, cool. I had just completed my master's program at Arizona State University, and um, I knew I wanted to go into high school strength conditioning. I was a Division I uh, athlete, football player at Northwestern University, and um, worked, ironically, for uh, Coach Ken as a graduate uh, volunteer. Okay. Um, at Arizona State University. So I had been familiar with the college level of strength and conditioning. I had a young family and um, chose high school because of the quality of life. Um, and so found the job at Charlotte Country Day and applied for it. And literally within about 20 days, I was moving to Charlotte. Outstanding. So Were was, you the first strength coach that they ever had, or did they have people before you do that? Actually, I was the second one. Okay. Um, it was the first school public or private in the Charlotte area to hire a full-time strength conditioning coach. Um, They built a a new building, which is typically how it works in high school. When you build a new building, you you put a weight room in there, you need somebody to run it. Um, So I was the second. Okay. Very cool. And um, so do you you just do strength and conditioning for athletes? Do you do weight training classes for everybody? What's, uh, What's that? Because I know there's different positions in different high schools. What's your setup like? Right. So the, the model at Charlotte Country Day is that we are, are a JK through 12 school. Um, from junior kindergarten all the way to eighth grade, the kids have PE every single day. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, we have a phenomenal PE department. We actually have two different campuses. Middle school has its own separate campus where oh. they have fifth through eighth there. Um, but when they get to high school... PE stops. Okay. And the reason um, it stops is because it's a very uh, strenuous academic school. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had PE before I got there, but at some point in time, they, they, they thought the load was too much okay. um, for the students. So the way they get their PE credits is through athletics. We have about 600 high school students. 
Um, 90% of them play a sport. Um, and so I work with the students through their teams. Okay. We kind of have a college model where we do team training. Okay. Um, right now in the winter is our really one of our heavier times. I probably work with 150 athletes a day um, through their teams, um, through in-season teams and out-of-season teams. So every single, we have um, in high school 36 uh, teams, 24 sports. Okay. Um, so it's a very robust program. And we work before school. Okay. We work after school, and we do some things in the middle of the day as well. Okay. And then do you guys do stuff during the summer, or do you kind of get to have – you have more of a break in the summer or Absolutely less of a not. break? <laughs> Absolutely not. Our, our summer – I'd say our winter is probably our busiest time, okay. and our summer is probably our second busiest. Okay. Um, just from the simple fact that you have uh, football field, hockey, uh, you have tennis, you have um, – kids who play baseball year-round so we have team training all of our fall sports will train during the summer okay. and then we have a good number of college students who are alums who come oh, back and train great, too great um, so it is a very robust we actually beef up our strength conditioning department um, and bring on a probably about two graduate assistants and one intern cool. in very addition cool. to my full-time assistant that's awesome and yeah so you have a full-time assistant that's huge yes yeah. so this is year three uh, for me having a, a full-time assistant and it's great um, it allows us to really maximize our facilities um, especially in the spring where before i would be pretty much limited to the weight room but now we go to teams and we will do field training with them okay. in season and the coaches are much more willing to give up their practice time if you're on field so gotcha. say we start their warm-ups and we may do a total of 30 minutes before practice um speed agility work in season so we kind of gets that carryover from all the work we've done in the winter indoors very cool and i mean so you said you were the second coach and i have an assistant they've they've kind of bought in more when you want to do field stuff did you have to kind of get more team get teams to buy in when you first started um you talked 2004 so you know strength and conditioning was still not necessarily uh the most popular thing as it is today absolutely i had to i started off with one team and you can as you can guess that was football (laughs) Uh, my first female team was volleyball um, the coach was on board right away. It was, uh, I came in the fall, um, and it was such a shock to the culture there that the first time that I had a team training with volleyball, I swear there were 20 boys looking out from the window right. because it was like girls didn't come in the weight room. Right. Yeah. Um, so it was very uncomfortable that first session with volleyball. Yeah. Second time they had a session, I had to tape trash bags and lock the doors to make the girls feel comfortable. And it's like, look, this is your time. This is your space. You deserve to be here like everybody else. Um, And so once I had to bring teams on team by team, um, convince coach by coach, because it's not mandated for them to train. um, And 14 years later, every single team um, trains, including our dance team, our cheerleaders, our golf. Every every team trains now. But it it just was one team by one team. Um, and it took, it probably took about five years before I got all teams on board. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, you talked about knowing, you know, that you wanted a job in high school, strength and conditioning, um, coming out of college, coming out of your master's program. What, what would do, what do you recommend? You know, is there a recommended path? If someone today is graduating, thinking the same thing, man, I know I want to be a high school strength and conditioning coach. 
what would you tell them? Well, you need to do this, this, and this. Great question. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a lot of different routes. The one thing that has changed over the years is that there are a lot more collegiate academic programs that have a strength and conditioning focus or exercise science focus. And I believe just based on the amount of interns, applications we get, there's a lot more people wanting jobs than there are jobs available. Um, most of the time when I interview college students, they see a high school as a pathway to a college or a pro job. Um, but it's, a, it's pretty interesting. After they complete the internship, they realize that, hey, this, is, this doesn't have to be a stepping stone. This hey. is a, a, a career path in and of itself. Yeah. I really enjoy working with this age level. Um, and so it, it, it's evolving and changing. But, you know, to answer your question, the pathway is first, you know, just to 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 get your schooling, um, I would say, in an exercise science field of some sort. But what I'm learning just through dealing with interns and graduate assistants is that there is a disconnect between physical education programs and exercise science programs. So let's say, for instance, App State is one of the it's, it's pretty it's only a couple hours away. I typically go up and and talk to um, graduate classes and undergraduate classes there and promote my internship program and, and graduate assistant program. These kids have all the academic knowledge, but they don't know how to coach. Yeah. That is yeah, not yeah. part of the curriculum. Right. And there is little to no um, merging between the physical education department, which is in the Ed School of Education, yeah. and then the, you know, the kinesiology department, things right. like that. Right. So, um, you know, you need to have that, that science background, but if you cannot communicate, if right. you cannot convey what you want the kids to do, um, it's going to be pretty difficult for you to be an effective coach. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's interesting about it is I have them shoot a video of them doing three lifts. One right. has to be an Olympic lift. And these students will give a dissertation right. on how to do it. It's like, you know, you have a, a ninth grade boy, you lost him. Yeah. You, you lost him. Two minutes ago, yeah. you know, yeah. you need to be able to be concise um, and get them moving and coach on the fly, yeah. you know, yeah. type of thing. So it's a it's a little bit of a learning curve um, for them. But get get that experience, right. you know, get right. that science background, yeah. but also you need that practical application experience yeah. as well. Yeah. And it's different, too, from being right able to coach someone versus just being able to lift. You know, that's what you see Absolutely. a lot, too, now, especially Absolutely. with social media and mm -hmm. like, OK, well, you. Yeah, you might be strong and you can mm -hmm. do these lifts, but that does not mean that you can coach somebody through Absolutely it. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. You need to you need to develop a repertoire of communication skills and cues and you know unfortunately the only way you're able to do that is actually by coaching. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So and being taught to coach. Right, right. Mm -hmm. No, and I, I it was funny because I was talking to uh, Coach Nine who I did a podcast with earlier about I coached basketball for a long time, played basketball mm -hmm. and, and coached basketball. My first coaching, first job out of college was actually at a basketball camp for an entire summer. And so I, you know, I learned a lot of my coaching skills really came through the sport of basketball. And then when I became interested in strength and conditioning, um, it all transferred. But I had learned 
about coaching uh, from being a basketball coach, not necessarily a strength and conditioning coach, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but very transferable. Um, oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm a little biased in, in that my master's was in physical education. Um, where I went to undergrad, there was no exercise science. There was no physical yeah. education program. So I got um, that that training yeah. in grad school. So I'm, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've heard previous podcasts that you had and one you were talking with, I believe it was Cal Diaz about evaluation, coaching yeah. evaluation. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we did as a, a graduate student in the physical education is that we filmed our sessions. Yeah. Then when we watched them, we had a grid and we had to kind of mark where our movement was. Nice. And so there was a process for analyzing yeah. our coaching, where we tend to spend more time, yeah. where we need yeah, to spend yeah. more time. You know, so there's a lot of things in the educational experience that helps you become aware yeah. of the things that you're doing yeah. and, and, a, and a process for, for evaluating what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel that, you know, even when I'm working with some of my more advanced teams, such as baseball is one of my more advanced teams, my background is a physical education teacher. If you can teach a group of kindergartners, yeah, you right. have them for you have 30 kindergartners for 30 minutes. Yeah. You have to have them engaged. You have right, to have right. processes. You have to have yeah. setup. You have to have flow. Yeah. You have to have a plan. Yeah. And if you can coach those kids, you can, I believe you can coach anybody. Yeah, I agree. You, you know, so. Um, I, I'm a bit biased when it comes to that, that physical education background, but I think that's a perfect marriage between the exercise science world yeah. and the coaching world. If you have that, that, right. that combination of background, yeah. it, you're set up to, to have success. Yeah. And just like you just talked about, like being able to utilize technology, which is huge mm -hmm. now. How about using it to, to watch what we do as coaches mm -hmm. and, and see how we our coaching practice looks right. like so that we can, just like you said, Oh man, I stayed in the same spot mm -hmm. that whole hour or mm -hmm. whatever it might be. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, that's great. That's great to hear because, yeah, my undergrad was in physical education, so I felt like I had a little more of you know pedagogy and, and motor learning and some yep. things that uh, I think are important that exercise science sometimes miss out on, misses mm -hmm. out on right because right. you can be. Um, and again, that's kind of, you know, kind of thing that we talk about in this coaching podcast that you that you know from listening to it is like we talk about a lot of the things that what makes a good coach that you might not have learned in school because there's so much more to it the mm -hmm. relationships and connections mm -hmm. and communication that mm -hmm. that doesn't get covered mm -hmm. necessarily right um, right because there's a lot. <laughs> um, You've been involved with the NSCA for a long time, a lot of different levels. Talk a little bit about your experience being a state director and now you're the Southeast Regional Director and what that's like as a volunteer uh, with the NSCA. Well, I have to really give credit to my one of my college professors and advisors, and his name was, oh my goodness, I, I'm, I just went blank for a second <laughs> here. Um, but what he told me and told us as graduate students is you wanted to give back to the industry. He was very big on us presenting at, at clinics and things like that, even as students. Um, so I had it in my mind once I got my feet under me as a coach that I was going to, to give back to organizations. And it started as simply as me being uh, <clears throat> contacting the state director at the time and say, look, I have a facility here, a great facility. I'd be willing to host for you. Um, so, 
you know, he would take up care of all the paperwork, things like that. But I went out and got the speakers. I had the facilities and pretty much ran the event. Little did I know that I was doing a major part of the job right. yeah. that ended yeah. up being a state director. So yeah. when the state director position became available, I applied for it. Um, I, it was a voting process, and I became the North Carolina state director. Um, and then it, it, it really grew from there. So as you attend events... Now you're a state director. You have meetings to go to. You start to, to meet people, you know, who are doing the same thing all over the country. And it, and it just really expanded my experience. Um, and something similar, you know, I was the state director for, I believe, five years in the Southeast Regional became available. Uh, I applied for that. And, and that now my job is to really help support the state directors and what they do on the state level. Um, I have, you know, a few more meetings to go to, but I have a, a more of a 30,000-foot view of what this organization is about at this point as I climb the ranks, if you will, in, in, in volunteering positions. So it's been a very rewarding um, process. It's been, a, it's been very rewarding in terms of, you know, the people I'm meeting. Um, you know, and now we're hosting an event where I happen to live, so it's, it's, it's kind of cool, cool, you know. Yeah. You know, have lunch meetings and dinner meetings with people who are in the organization, and it's just it's just been really rewarding and fulfilling. Yeah, and that's cool too because being now regional director, um, you have to kind of um, appeal to the all of the different uh, category or demographics that mm -hmm. make up the NSCA, right? You guys are. These, some of these regional events have been huge. Yeah. I saw the um, one that Rick Howard ran not too long ago, Mid-Atlantic, yeah. I think it was at 500 people. Yeah. And so these, these events are so huge. So you're not just, just, mm -hmm. quotes, air quotes, doing, you know, high school strength and conditioning mm -hmm. or strength. It's, it's the entire profession that makes up the NSCA. You have students and researchers and Absolutely. coaches and personal trainers and TSAC. Now exactly. with the incredible growth, exactly. which I think, I think, you know, and I personally, that's one of the greatest things about the NSCA is that diversity of all these professions right. that are united under this hat of the NSCA. Oh, absolutely. Right now we're planning on our Southeast Regional. It's going to be in March at IMG. Wow. And uh, we have, I have probably twice as many applicants for speakers. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're just flocking to this event but i have to sit down and make sure it's balanced just like you said yeah. you know because i want to have something for everybody who's going to be in attendance you yeah. have to be very purposeful about that in order to run a well balanced event another thing is that it's an opportunity for people to network so yeah. over the years i've tried to do probably one or two things at each event that i hosted that i didn't do last time okay. something as simple as name tags something as simple as instead of having the audience in in chairs and rows we had round tables yeah you know yeah. To, to facilitate conversation and and, and talking um and sometimes it almost works too well because yeah. it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard to get people quiet for the yeah. next presenter but you know it's a learning process um and it's a humbling process when you put something together and you know hundreds of people show up you're like wow this is really happening yeah you yeah, know yeah. so um it, like i said before it's it's a really uh it's an adrenaline rush but it just it's helped me personally grow sure um and in, in my contacts in in terms of me going and visiting people um and their facilities and what they do and and, and as a residual it's allowed me to become a better coach because i get i have a network of people yeah. now that allow me to, to see what's going on out there yeah. you know it's really easy to be in your silo yeah, yeah you yeah. know when you're working at an institution um 
but this this forces me to get out. Yeah. And kind of, what's that kind of look like for you? So, what does networking look like for you now? Um, compared, you know, maybe compared to when you were earlier in your career. I'm a pretty low key person, so I would really go to these events and you know sit and take notes and, and not really be real interactive but once i started to become involved in the organization i was put in a position where i had to yeah. you know where we had these newcomer events and you're the state director you have to be available to say hey welcome right. to the nsca right. you know here's my card here's how i can be reached and so at this point i probably get anywhere from two to five emails or calls a week just people just wanting to say hey i just moved here from such and such i was involved in you know, the NSCA in Tennessee, and now I live in North Carolina, and so on and so forth. Um, so, you know, besides the events that I go to, now I have a lot of people calling me, um, trying to either looking for jobs or looking to be involved in the North Carolina NSCA or the regional now yep. at this point. So, um, you know, it's still, it's kind of a ebb and flow in yeah. that way. That's great. What are you guys looking for in speakers when, you know, at the state and regional level, because I was a state director too, a lot of the times it's not as, you know, strenuous, a, for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. a process, mm -hmm. you know, it's mm -hmm. a little different. What do you guys look for for speakers at their state and regional events? Well, at this point, now that I am in a position, kind of a leadership position in, in helping to advise um, state directors, I, I look for people who have a little bit of experience, people who have seen or heard, you know, dynamic speakers, because really it, it doesn't matter what you're speaking on. You, you want to be dynamic as yeah. possible. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously there needs to be a balance between the, the research side and the applied side. Um, so it's, it's really about balance. It's about, you know, diversity in many ways, you know, you're talking gender diversity, you're talking um, work, diversity in, in terms of the jobs that you do and things like that so you, you're looking for you know but more than more than not you, you want a, a person to say hey i've heard this person speak and yeah. they are out of sight yeah. you know that that pretty much trumps everything yeah. is word of mouth yeah no that's huge it's definitely there's been a few speakers that uh i've talked to actually uh, martin rooney who's speaking today mm -hmm. i've said he could talk about like folding laundry yeah, and I would yeah. probably go listen to him. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. And the thing is about that is that every, not everybody is capable of being no, Martin Rooney. Absolutely. You know, matter absolutely. of fact, most people aren't. Right. right. You know, so, you know, it, it just, I, I like events to ebb and flow. You have people who are a little bit more mild mannered, who, who, who are more science oriented. And yeah. then you have somebody who's, who's raising the roof, you know, yeah. so just that in and of itself, that type of diversity keeps people's attention. Right. Um, and it really, I think, makes for a uh, well-rounded event. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if you've seen this too, I think some of the, um, there's a lot of um, people coming out and not that, not that researchers are, are more scientific people weren't as great of presenters back in the day, but like the Dr. Andy Galpins and some of these other scientists who are spending a lot of time in the classrooms that are getting out and speaking more mm -hmm. are really, really engaging and are yeah. able to deliver right. that message, right. the scientific message, mm -hmm. in a really helpful way mm -hmm. that makes it more digestible. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's been cool. Mm -hmm. um, guys have won the Strength of America Award a bunch of times. Um, talk a little bit about why, you know, what that is for people that might not know they're listening and why it's been important, how it's helped your school with your administration and whatnot. 
Well, the Strength of America Award, I believe, um, started in, I want to say, kind of 09, 010. We were in that second batch. I think there was like five people who won it, five schools that won it their first year. That's how I heard about it. Once I heard that there was some type of evaluation process for high school strength conditioning, I was all in. I wanted to see it. So you get this packet, and there's this criteria of things you have to do and have to have in your organization and what it ends ends up being is a self-evaluation form yeah, of your right, program right. and that's the benefit of it even if yeah. you don't get it yeah. going through that you kind of know what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are as a, right. as a, as a program um, and so it it is worth its weight in gold in that yeah. aspect alone yeah. um, but once again you talk about your networking opportunities so people who have won these awards or schools have won these awards and coaches I've gotten to meet and things like that and and going and see what they're doing you know as well and as the state director of North Carolina when we would have events I say all you high school coaches out here this strength of America award exists right. and you know selfishly I said I want North Carolina to have the most yeah, you yeah. know winners yeah. uh, you know in that so you know it was trying to motivate our, our high school strength conditioning um, and it's not easy to get. It's it's right. pretty stringent yeah. um, requirements to get yeah. it. So I, I really love that it exists, um, and I will continue to, uh, you know, have my school apply for as long as it's around because yeah. it's a, it's kind of a, an accreditation. Yeah. You know what Did you're doing. you think? Do you think it helped you with administrators? Like, I mean, they already value. Obviously, your mm -hmm. position mm -hmm. shows you that they value strength mm -hmm. conditioning. But was that a kind of another? feather in the cap to absolutely uh, once you receive some national award for something that's already in house they raise their eyebrows and say hey what's what's yeah, going on here yeah, so yeah. you got people coming down and, and taking a peek you know our weight room is a lot of weight rooms are in the bowels of a, an athletic <laughs> yeah, building right. you know so it's not doesn't get a lot of traffic <laughs> but you know when when you know, you put that banner up and, and, and administrators start to take yeah. notice. There's there's certain pride. So next time you go to them for a new piece of equipment right. or an assistant coach, or now you have, you yeah. know, okay, this is what we're doing. Yeah. This is how many kids we're affecting. And let's grow this program. And we've already been recognized for this. So let's keep this train moving. So yeah. it's been, it's been you know, a lot of residual effects and benefits, you know, as, a, as, as, as getting the award. Nice. And we've got one of your administrators uh, helping out with this panel discussion. So you guys uh, are doing creating a championship culture, securing buy-in from coaches, players, and administrations. You're going to moderate it. Mm -hmm. um, tell me a little bit about you know how you kind of from your side what you're what you're adding to that conversation and how you think this will kind of play out a little bit with you know as a resource. Well, well, what I'm hoping, as I've seen this high school track grow and grow, I believe the first high school track might have been the Orlando National Conference, I, I believe. So, yeah. And I remember the rooms were too small for the attendees. Yeah. And yeah. the NSA was pretty shocked at how yeah. many people were interested. So what I'm hoping is that we have a, a good number of traffic of people who are already in high school athletics or aspire to be in, yeah. in, in high school strength and conditioning. So... What the goal is, is that to to kind of educate the people on our environment and, and what we do and how it becomes successful and, and even defining what success is. Yeah. You know, that's going to look different from each panel member. Um, you know, I thought it was important that we had an administrator on the committee or on the uh, panel to really 
kind of map out what the process is. Okay, this is a great idea, right. but these are the things that you have to consider in order right. to make it happen. Yeah. I thought that voice was going to be really yeah. important yeah. to have. And, and, and Sherry Kapler, she's, uh, she's a phenomenon. I used to work with her okay. um, at Charlotte Country Day years ago. She's um, started two different strength and conditioning programs at two different schools since. Oh, wow. So yeah. um, I thought she was a, a perfect person to Absolutely. be on that panel. That's because she's uh, created it from it not existing to That's existing. Huge. So, um, you know, what I'm hoping is that it would be, you know, a lot of questions and a lot of dialogue about, you know, what is success in terms of creating culture and creating buy-in. Um, and to just hope it's a, you know, very interactive experience for everyone. Yeah, I'm excited. And we've got a couple other uh the other coaches helping you out, Ryan Johnson and Stu Venable, mm -hmm. also represent different types and sizes of schools right, as right, well, right? right. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so we have private, we have public, um, and so hopefully, you know, because those things could look very different. Yeah. You yeah. know, from a, from a funding standpoint, from, you know, a red tape standpoint, right. you know, right. things like that. So I'm hoping, you know, I think we're all going to learn something from it. Yeah. Because yeah. like I said, you, we're in our silos and we know what we do yeah. and we know what red tape we have to go right, through, right, right. but we may not know what the person down the street has to do. Yeah. Yeah. So with your, uh, you have, you know, G's interns, what kind of staff development stuff are you doing with your staff yourself? Great question. Well, uh, my assistant will be attending this coaches <laughs> conference go. in town. Um, so, you know, we uh, we are going to divide and conquer and go yeah. to different uh, speaking events. And then we're going to take time next week to we're going to take detailed notes and we're going to uh, exchange information and see how these things apply to our environment and see if there's anything that we can do to, you know, um, add to our, our existing program. Yeah. And in terms of our interns and our graduate assistants, um, in particular this summer, because that's really where we do, you know, there's a three-week training period. Um, our summer doesn't start until early June. Okay. Our athletes don't start coming officially until probably that second week in June. So the college students typically get out in early to mid-May. Okay. So there will be a three-week period of training where we will have um, go through our whole system. So we'll have an hour of lecture and then an hour of practical every single day. Our interns and graduate assistants, they get a binder. Um, and this goes back to my physical education. This yeah. is something that yeah. we had to do when we did our student teaching. Yeah. My cool. assistant also has an undergrad in physical education, so he understands this as well. So I want our interns and graduate assistants to leave with information of not only what they did but our system we're, we're not shy about sharing it yeah. i want you if you go on and start your own thing or you you know you've been assigned a softball team or whatever yeah. you have something you know to start with yeah. you know and and that's how philosophies are built they're built on your your experience right uh back on like the intern topic what kind of development uh, are you doing with the intern program that you have well once we select our interns and graduate assistants and there is a distinction between the two our graduate assistants are in, currently in a graduate program or are one year removed from a graduate program and our interns typically are undergraduate students okay. so they have a little bit of a different track even though they might be with us at the same time but everyone goes through a three-week uh, training period where we teach them our system at charlotte country day um, and what that looks like is that they will have a practical excuse me they will have a a um, a lecture section and then they will have a practical section um, and we give them a complete list of 
the exercises we use and where they fall into our system. Um, and they get a binder um, from every category, from everything that they do for us when they're with us. And that is something that I, I take from my physical education background in having to do student teaching where we had to create a binder of our experience. I want them to walk away with um, detailed information about what they experience. So if they go on to, to coach and be fortunate enough to be selected to get, you know, have certain teams as an assignment, they have a process, you know. Yes. And, and that's how I think philosophies are built, based on your experiences right, right. Um, and what you've been exposed to. Yeah. Um, so we're very proud of, of, of what we do and how we develop. Um, we will also typically have a, a book for the summer. And this year it was Conscious Coaching. Um, where we read the book and we, we talk shop about it. Cool. Um, and even if those books don't really apply to their level of coaching at the time, it's something that they have. They get to take with them and, and use it as a resource, nice. you know, as they come across different experiences that they can relate to yeah. at that point. So, um, and, and then finally, for those who are graduating, we try to get placement. The, the benefit of being a state director and a regional director is that my ability to network and, and know people has grown and is growing every day and every year. Um, so if I have somebody who I think is talented and, you know, I'm trying to get them placed with a job, which is really challenging these days because there is a, not a lot of jobs and there's a lot of people looking for jobs in yeah. this field. It's a yeah. very, very uh, up and coming field. Yeah. Um, so that's something that we, we try to do. I have several interns who are who have contacted me and are attending this event, and, you know. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a, you know, you're kind of an alum. You yeah, know, when you come yeah, out, yeah. That's you very know. cool. No, and I think it's an exciting time for the field. I think some people have, some people seem or sound frustrated sometimes when they say, "Oh, this is tough, tough field to get into," and this and that. And I, I agree that it it may be, but I think that the it's it's on an upward trend mm -hmm. that is only going straight up right. with the growth of high school strength right. and conditioning, the tactical TSAC program mm -hmm. that's booming and starting to grow even more, the, the amount of job opportunities that are going to be opened up, I think, in the next 5, 10 years is, is outstanding. Absolutely. So I get excited about it because I think from the profession standpoint, we may be at a little bottleneck right now, mm -hmm. but it's going to it's going to crack open and right. it's going to start flooding, like, right. which is a good thing. Absolutely. But it's also going to require that people are prepared and have the right credentials and the right uh, education and the right level of education right. and the right, right. experience, mm -hmm. <laughs> like mm -hmm. we've talked about. Absolutely. So it's exciting time. Um, what else you got? You got mentioned uh, upcoming regional. What else do you guys got planned state and regional wise for the year? You know what? In the southeast region, we have several, I believe, uh, Mississippi. We just had a flood of, you know, it's a recertification year. So right, right. this fall, we had um, all in the same day, <laughs> we had Georgia, North Carolina, and Florida. Oh wow! All three selling out. Wow. Um, Florida for a for a a state clinic had almost 300 people wow. at their state clinic. Wow. Um, I was at the one in North Carolina, which was at NC State, um, that also sold out, and. And the one in Georgia and Atlanta sold out was at Kennesaw State. Cool. Um, so, you know, now we have Tennessee coming in the um, spring. Uh, I believe Mississippi's coming in the spring. Um, and Alabama will be coming in the spring as well, in, in addition to our regional, wow. which will be in, in Florida. So um, 
you know, it's it's conference season right yeah, now. Yeah, right, right, so right. There's no shortage of conferences that are going yeah. on uh, around the country. Yeah, no, that's the great. I think that's the great thing about the NSCA with state and regional mm-hmm. events, just the opportunity to go and not have to travel and spend right. tons of money, right. you know, but also to be able to try and get involved, whether it's on an advisory board mm-hmm. or if you're just a student or not, or you just want to help out to reach out and maybe you just help set up chairs or do something right, or right, whatever right. you know we i know as state director i was always looking for free for people that wanted right. to get involved and right. help out right right <laughs> um how about is there any anybody you're really looking forward to seeing speak uh while you're here you know um dr travis triplett is doing um a, a presentation with um uh, Leanne Blinn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I'm looking forward to that because it, it is exactly what I was talking about, how yeah. you're merging that academic with that practical side and how those two worlds need to live together. So I'm, cool. I'm looking forward to that. But uh, like I said, I'm going to go to as many talks as I can, yeah. and my assistant's going to go to yeah. other ones, yeah. and we're going to, you know, talk shop, you know, next week and kind of dissect all the things that we've learned and, and, and experienced through this, cool. doing this coaching. This is my first coaching conference, actually. Okay. Yeah. 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 I've been so, to a lot of NSCA yeah. um, conferences, but this is my first, okay. first coaching one. So Outstanding. I'm, I'm just looking forward to just yeah. kind of, you know, um, seeing everyone. Cool. Yeah. This has grown tremendously um, the last four years and, and this fifth year of I don't know that we're going to, we might not break the record this year, but it's, it's growing and growing mm-hmm. and just the, already the attendance record We're we're going to, we already broke the attendance record for a recertification year. So okay. Again, everybody yeah. had to recertify yeah. by the New Year's Eve. So we've broke that number before we even left. So wow. that's nice to know. Wow. Yeah. I'm excited. All right. A couple of my go-to questions that you've probably heard. Um, if you could have conversation or dinner with any, any three or anybody, right. uh, fictional dead or living who would it be okay well this is always a tough one but the first one is, is for me is a no-brainer it, it's going to be my uh my paternal grandparents um who passed away when i was very young so i don't have any conscious memory of okay. them i would love to to yeah. sit down with with both of them so i'm going to yeah. count them as one yep. <laughs> um, uh, number two and i thought about this um i would like to have sat down with muhammad ali in a certain period of his life, probably maybe a year after he retired, yeah. you know, to yeah. just talk about all his fights, all his political experiences and things like that. Um, and then third, I'm a huge Denzel Washington fan. Nice. And, uh, I, you know, if you've ever, if you want to YouTube some of his, um, his commencement speeches and things oh, like yeah. that, he, he yeah. has a lot to say. And I would just love to just sit down and, and talk shop about you know the 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 movie industry and and just his experience as a as an african-american leading actor right you know um so those are those are my three cool incredible stuff um and how about if you were kind of this far along in a totally different career path where where would you what what would you be doing if you weren't a high school strength conditioning coach you know since a 
since I was young, I've always had a passion for aviation. I, I think I have the temperament to, to be a commercial pilot. Um, I don't know that I would want to be a combat pilot. I think it takes a certain <laughs> yeah. special type of individual. Yeah. And I don't know that I possess those skills, yeah. but I think I could handle being a commercial pilot because I just I love aviation and cool. everything about it. Very cool. Great. Well, uh, excited to have you moderate the panel. How can people reach out to you if they heard this and they either want to get involved, uh, high school strength initiatives, NSCA, regional, state? Uh, what's the best way to find you? Um, they could reach me at Coach Darnell Clark at Gmail. That's typically the email I use for the NSCA. Um, and then I do, I don't do a much social media, but I do have a Twitter page, and that is uh, Coach Clark44. Okay, cool. uh, at Coach Clark 44 at Twitter. Right. So um, those would be the, the two places that I would suggest. Great. Well, appreciate you being on the show and look forward to seeing you throughout the week here. All right. Well, thanks for having me, Scott. I, I really appreciate being on. Thanks. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.